Patirol. For many of you, you don't know what a song is all about. Uh, it's uh, time to say goodbye, but it's not time to say goodbye here on the hour of inspiration. When you're alone and you dream on the horizon and falls, you know, uh, the song was written by that man, Andre Bosili, and he featured uh, Sarah Brightman in 1997. That was when the song was released. It's a wonderful opera there, Mose Opera Pop. Uh, it's part of uh, what we want to give you today on the Hour of Inspiration to inspire you for greatness and uh, make you understand that Jesus do love you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to prepare your mindset for the ministration for today. And I did mention earlier that for this month, Pastor Solomon Odiebuchi Okono will be ministering to us. And he will be talking to us passionately on the law of God. Friends, you need to understand that God loves us and he, he did uh, provided for us uh, a decalogue. But the question is, is that decalogue still in existence or it has been abolished? I'm sure this month, Pastor Odiebuchi Solomon O'Connor will will break down this thing so you understand and the holy spirit will convince you better thank you for joining us the man of god will be talking to us after now Welcome to Hour of Inspiration. My name is Pastor Solomon Odinebuchi Okono. Last month on this program, Dr. Pastor Richard Mohe dealt extensively with topics on the family and Christian lifestyle. I hope you were blessed. Don't worry if you are just joining us and if you were not part of the previous lessons. You can always request for them through the number that will be announced at the end of today's broadcast. We promise to reach you with those life-impacting messages and other materials that will bless your life. Throughout this month, beginning from today, I will be leading you through a series of lessons that will help you better understand what the Bible teaches about the law of God. Psalm 119 verse 165 Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Shall we pray? Our great God and creator of the universe, 
Thank you for this opportunity you have given to your children to hear your word this moment. Please, Father, speak to these hearts through your servant. Let your servant speak in humility. Yet, Lord, let the word of God be accompanied by the usual fire of the Holy Spirit, that everyone who will hear will live in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Is the Lord of God still relevant? Are you and I, who are living in the 21st century, required to keep God's law, as did those who lived in the days of Moses or Paul? Or has the law of God been nailed to the cross? Well, many people believe the law of God is now obsolete and should no longer be regarded as binding on us. Those who subscribe to this idea readily support their position with Bible texts such as Romans 6 verse 4. For sin shall no more be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Usually this text is quoted out of context in support of the idea that the law of God is no longer binding on us. A good question to ask when encountering this text is, what did the Bible really mean? What does it mean not to be under the law, but under grace? The first line of this text is clear. For sin shall no more be your master. For everyone who lives in disobedience without Christ, sin is his master. Such a person lacks the spiritual strength to resist sin. Such a person cannot say no to sin or Satan, but willfully falls into temptation and commits sin at will. But in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, Paul was talking to those who had already received Christ into their lives. So no wonder he reminds them that sin shall no more be their master. For once sin was their master, their actions were ruled by the flesh and not by the Holy Spirit. But now they are ruled by the Holy Spirit. They are no longer moved by sin. They are no more as helpless to commit sin as they were when they did not know God. They have been given the power to choose to do righteousness. But what does it mean? not to be under the law, but under grace. Was Paul saying, you have been given a license to go ahead and commit sin? See how Paul rephrases this question in the first and second verses of the same chapter. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. So shall we then continue in sin that grace may abound? He answers with a resounding, God forbid. Obviously, to desire to continue in sin because of God's grace, is a misunderstanding of the word of God and a gross misunderstanding of God's abundant grace. Ironically, in Romans 6 verse 14, Paul himself clarifies what it means not to be under the law. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. So, not being under the law means that sin has no more dominion over you. It means that it is not sin or Satan that dictates what you do but the Holy Spirit. In Romans 6 verse 16, Paul states that we either continue to break the law, which according to him is sin unto death, or we obey the law, which is said is obedience unto righteousness. To be under grace and no more under sin means that those who have given their lives to Christ, who are led by the Holy Spirit, are no more under the condemnation of the law, like those who break the law. For when we break the law, the weight of the law falls on us. But if we are no more breaking the law, then we have no business with the consequences of the law. Hence, we are no more under the law. 
some teach that God's law was once binding on us. But at the moment Jesus died on the cross, he abolished the law. The problem with this line of thought is that Jesus never abolished the law, neither did he teach his disciples to forsake the law. Jesus, being an all-knowing God, saw into the future and knew that during this period in history, some philosophies and doctrines will be taught to mislead his children. So he clarified this point through his teachings and practices before he went to heaven. We find one of such teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And true to it, Jesus fulfilled the law during his earthly ministry. I guess the major confusion comes from the misunderstanding of the types of laws recorded in the Bible. In the Bible, we find different types of laws. Firstly, there was a moral law. The moral law in the Old Testament is presented in two or two ways, either as a positive or as a negative command that stands alone, like do this or do not do that. The Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20 is a summary of the moral law. The second class of law is the civil law. These were laws that God gave to Israel as a nation to regulate her civil life. There were laws that spelled out which tribe governs Israel, how the king was to ascend the throne, what rituals were required, how Israel was to be governed, the responsibilities of the citizens, penalties for certain civil offenses, regulations of the judicial system of Israel, and so on. We find an example of this class of law in Leviticus 19. Another class of law is the health law. The health law was given by God to direct what man may eat or not in order to remain strong and healthy. We find examples of the health law in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14. There was also the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law dealt with forms of worshipping God and with ritual cleanliness and judicial precepts. The ceremonial law was only temporary as it was a shadow of a great sacrifice that Jesus will make for humanity on the cross of Calvary. We find an example of the ceremonial law in Exodus 21. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, John 19.30, the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place in the great temple at Jerusalem tore into two, signifying the end of all ceremonial sacrifices. Since the ultimate sacrifice has now been offered. The death of Christ on the cross of Calvary never nullified the moral law, neither did it abolish the health law. Some aspects of the civil law concerning only the nation of Israel are not relevant to us today, but some aspects that have universal application still apply to us. But when Jesus died on the cross, he nailed the ceremonial law to the cross. He brought to an end all sacrifices and completely abolished the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. So today, we do not need the blood of bull or sheep or pigeons or any other animals to be cleansed of our sins because the blood of Jesus has atoned completely for our sins. In Hebrews 10 verse 4, Paul writes, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away our sins. Thanks be to God. That it was with the blood of his own son that God finally took away our sins. When people teach 
that Jesus abolished the law by his death on Calvary. They do so because of a misunderstanding of the types of laws we have in the Bible. God never abolished the moral law or the health law. Only the ceremonial law was abolished. Nowhere in the Bible do we find the idea that God abolished the Ten Commandments. In fact, the Bible teaches that breaking any one of them is equal to breaking all. James 2 verse 10 For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. But could God have abolished the Ten Commandments? A look at how God gave this law will convince us that God could not have abolished the Ten Commandments. Listen to a description of a sin when God gave the moral law to Israel and to the rest of humanity through Moses. Fullness and the whole mountain quaked. The blast of a trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder. So powerful was this majestic revelation of God's presence that all Israel trembled. Suddenly, the thunder and trumpet ceased, leaving an awesome silence. Then God spoke out of the thick darkness that enshrouded him as he stood on the mountain. Moved by deep love for his people, he proclaimed the Ten Commandments. The Lord came from Sinai, and he came with ten thousands of sins. From his right hand came a fairy law for them. Yes, he loves his people. All your sins are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended to heaven. All eyes focused on the mountain. Its summit was covered with a thick cloud that, continuing to darken, swept downward until the entire mountain was engulfed in mystery. Lightning flashed from the darkness, while thunder echoed and re-echoed. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, and God gave the law. Exodus 19, 18-19, and Deuteronomy 33, 2-3. The Ten Commandments are the great principles of God, which Jesus himself exemplified. It is the express mirror of God's love, will, and purpose concerning human conduct and relationship. They are the basis of God's covenant with his people and the standards of God's final judgment. Through the agency of the Holy Spirit, they point out sin and awaken a sense of need for a savior. Salvation is all of grace and not work. The root of salvation is a life of obedience to God. Disobedience develops a Christian character and results in a sense of well-being. It is the evidence of our love for God and concern for fellow humans. The obedience of faith demonstrates the power of God to transform lives and therefore strengthening Christian witness. When God gave the law at Sinai, he not only revealed himself as the creator, supreme authority of the universe, he also portrayed himself as a redeemer of his people. I am the Lord your God, he said, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Exodus 20 verse 2. It is because he is savior that he called not only Israel, but all humanity, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, to obey his commandments, which cover the duty of human beings to God and to fellow. Let me leave you with five benefits of keeping God's law. Keeping God's law brings peace. 
Psalm 119 verse 165. Great peace are those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Do you want peace? Then God invites you to keep his law. Keeping God's law brings blessings. Psalm 119 verses 1 to 3 tells us that those who keep God's Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. But what does it mean to be blessed by keeping God's law? What do the blessings cover? Perhaps the most extensive text explaining what it means to be blessed by keeping God's law is Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 13. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you. And if you obey the Lord your God, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flock. Your basket will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in, and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from seven directions. The Lord will send the blessings on your bands and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as a prophet. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to his law, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity and the fruit of your womb, and the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, and the land he swore to your ancestors to give to you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his body, send rain on your land in season, and to bless the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not a tail. If you pay it to the laws of the Lord your God, that I give you this day, and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do you want God's blessings, my friend? God's blessings do not come by declaring them. They do not come by or by many night vigils while you continue to live a disobedient life. While prayers may count, the ultimate secret of attracting God's blessings upon your life is keeping God's law. I invite you today, my friend, to desire to keep the law of God. Keeping God's law brings hope. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope by which we draw nigh unto God. Hebrews 7 verse. Keeping God's law brings life. Deuteronomy 8 verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do them, that you may live and multiply, and go in to possess a land which I swore to give to your fathers. And in Proverbs 7 verse 2, the Bible says, Keep my commandments and live, and my teachings as the apple of your eye. The way of life is the way of obedience to God's law. Desire to keep God so that you may live. The Lord of God directs. Psalm 119 verse 105. 
Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You have issues around you that you do not know how to deal with. Are you confused or frustrated? Do you need wisdom? Do you need help, my friend? Do you need strength to keep God's law? Then I invite you this moment to ask help of the Lord and he will freely gift you. I love this moment. Please bow your head wherever you are hearing my voice from. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing this message to your children through your servant. Please, Father, empower these your children who have heard you and who have made commitments to obey you today. As they turn a new leaf, cause that all the blessings you have prepared for those who are obedient to you will be granted to them. I pray that you will set them on nations of earth. I pray that you will cause your blessings to pursue and overtake them. I pray that they will be blessed in the city and in the country. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless the fruit of their womb and the crops of their land. I pray that you will bless their young ones and the lambs of their flocks. Dear Lord, I pray that you will bless them when they come in and that you will bless them when they go out. I pray that you will grant that their enemies who rise up against them before their eyes. They will come at them from one direction but the Lord will cause them to flee through seven directions. I pray that the Lord will send a blessing on everything you put your hands to. Lord, I pray that you will grant them abundant prosperity, that all the people of the earth may see and know that the Lord has truly blessed them. As you pay attention to this message and make efforts to leave them out, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Thank you for faithfulness and answering the prayer of your servant, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Beginning from today's Seventh-day Adventist churches and Port Harcourt Conference, we'll be studying the Bible with our friends and members every evening from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Please feel free to walk into any Seventh-day Adventist church in your neighborhood and study the Bible with us. I'm leading out at Seventh-day Adventist church number 466 between Rumibu and Rumokuta Junction at Rumokuta. I invite you to please join me there. Next week on this program, by the special grace of God, I shall be discussing what will you do with it. Please be here same time. Until I come your way again, God bless you. Until he comes away again, God bless you. That was the voice of... Our preacher man for this month, Pastor Solomon Odiebuchi Okono. And I'm sure you enjoyed every bit of what he has said. I'm sure that message sinks down deep inside of you. And I'm sure it makes a lot of sense to you. God was the one speaking through him. And um, when God speaks, it is expected that uh, we listen and so try to change that aspect of us 